This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. It's important to establish a culture of winning, the importance of winning, and doing things the right way. So for us, it's just to keep building upon that. Throws to the end zone. It is caught for the Miami touchdown. It's Parker. All day long with Devontae Parker. Picked off. Going to the end zone is Eric Rowe for the touchdown. Play fake. Throws it. There he is. Wiggins. And it's a big man touchdown in Miami. What is up? Welcome in, Fins fans, to another episode of Fin It to Win It, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network and Bet Online. My name is Riley Bradshaw, alongside Mason Inglehart. As always, guys, you can follow us on social media at Fin It to Win It on Facebook and Twitter. We hope everybody had a great weekend. We are back and we are busier than ever. It might be the end of June, you know, going into July, Mason. You would think there's not much going on in terms of football right now, especially with all the COVID stuff going on. That could not be farther from the truth here at Finit to Win It. We just wrapped up our Tua Jersey giveaway. Tonight we're talking about, we're wrapping up our positional group breakdown. We're talking about the defensive line. And today, if you're listening on the day that this podcast is released, on Tuesday, we're kicking off another giveaway. So Mason, why don't you tell the people about this? Because it's really exciting and it's a little different than the Tua Jersey giveaway because it's going to involve trivia and bringing fans live on the show. Yeah, Riley, before I do that, though, would we uh, would we want it any other way rather than super busy for us? I mean, come on. This, I just can't help it, man. Yeah, it's like a, I just love the grind, man. Now that we've got some momentum going, we're interacting, we're engaging with the Dolphins community. It, it's just, you know, it's one thing after another. You know, we're going to do another bonus episode coming out on Wednesday talking about the Cam Newton to the Patriots situation and how that affects the Dolphins. Then on Thursday, we're going to be coming out with another episode That's talking right. about the top five free agent signings, the Dolphins, how important they are for the Dolphins going into the season. So nonstop content coming from Finit to Win It. But yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. We love it. We love it. And especially interacting with all the fans. And that's why we're doing this trivia contest coming up. It's our first ever Finna to Win It trivia contest. We're going to hope to have more of these along the way, but it's just going to be a great way to kind of match up different Dolphin fans against each other. It's going to let fans come on our show with us. We're going to have like a special trivia episode in about a month or so. But basically, like Riley mentioned, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, we posted our first post about it. To enter the contest, it's pretty simple. It's a little bit more complicated than the Tua giveaway, but it's not much more complicated. All you have to do is, of course, follow Finit to win it, retweet if it's on Twitter, or share if it's on Facebook, and then you need to comment with the correct answer to the trivia question. Now, these trivia questions we're putting on social media, you know, they're not half-court shots. They're not impossible. We want to make it a little bit easy to get into this contest. Now, if you do get randomly selected to join us on the show to match up with another Dolphins fan and battle them for that grand prize, which is going to be a $100 gift certificate to NFL Shop, which is a pretty sweet gift, the trivia questions are going to get harder on there. They're not going to be impossible, but they're going to make you think a lot more. So if you see the trivia questions on social media and you're like, oh, this is a joke, this is super easy, well, one, I'm, I'm glad you think it's easy. So far, that's that's a good sign, but <laughs> expect it to get just a little bit more difficult. And Riley, we I, I don't know if we can say yet if you don't win the contest, what you're going to get. But essentially, everybody's going to get a prize who's selected for this, right? Yeah, I think at this point, we're kind of wrapping up the details for that, Mason. But yes, if you are selected, so we're going to every post, there's going to be four of them total. And we're going to be picking two people from each post to 
come onto the show and participate in our trivia competition. If you are selected, you will win a prize no matter what. As long as you participate, come on the show, do your thing. Even if you lose, you're going to walk away with a prize. So everybody is a winner once you are selected. And then the grand prize is that $100 gift card to NFL Shop, which you can use on whatever you want. Yeah, and just to clarify too, if you win your matchup, you know that's all you have to do. You're done. This isn't like an NCAA bracket where the winners of each matchup will continue to play each other because that would just drag on forever. And maybe as we do more trivia um, shows and stuff like that, we can do that. But for this one, if you win your matchup, you essentially have a one in four chance of winning that $100 gift card. So it, it's a pretty sweet odds, 25% for those of you who are math challenged at home uh, like Riley, but 25%. <laughs> chance if you win that one matchup so that's pretty sweet yeah you ain't lying though i can't really say much (laughs) math is not my thing and the problem is mason it's not my wife's thing either so i'm a little worried about once our kids get school age who's gonna help with the math homework because i really don't want to do that my wife tips because she used to be a waitress in high school so she kind of knows the drill there and if i do it i just use the app on my phone i just type it in I didn't know maybe if you were just like, oh, okay, I'll give him a $20 bill and hope that's enough. Or no, maybe I mean, I'll, I can do like know. basic math, but if it gets to like a number where it's kind of, you know, all these, yeah, if it gets complicated, I'm going straight to the app. No questions there asked. I'm not even, not even messing around with it. So yeah, this is going to be really fun and interesting. And we've talked about it before. We want to find cool, new, unique ways to get fans involved and engaged with the show. So we think this trivia giveaway is going to be a great uh, opportunity for fans to get live on the show and interact with us and win some cool stuff. Everybody likes winning cool stuff. So Mason, tonight we're talking defensive line. We are wrapping up our position group breakdown. Man, this thing has been a marathon <laughs> going through each position. It has. Group. It has. At times I was like, man, we're not going to make it to the end of this thing. Woof. That's a lot of research, a lot of digging into the depth chart, but we are finally here. We're breaking down the defensive line. And as always, at least most of the time, how we kick it off when, is... When you don't forget. When, when you don't, I forget. don't forget. We start with three words. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. This group was the hardest to come up with these words. Um, and I, don't, I, I can't really pinpoint why. It just was. So let's go ahead and start with the three words, kind of talk about the group as a whole. And then we'll start breaking down the players individually. So I started out with the word specialists. And I'll explain myself a little bit as we go on. Power, like powerful, and then length. Those are the three words that I came up with when I kind of looked at the overall scope of the defensive linemen, interior, and edge rushers for the Dolphins. And, and I think I have a theory, Riley, for why you're kind of struggling to come up with words. And you and listen, it, you are a smart guy, so it's nothing against your intelligence. But I think when you get to your well, we went to the or, same college, so you can't really that's true. That's can't true. go there. <laughs> um, when you get to your seventh or eighth positional group, and you're giving each one three words, you know you're you've already used quite a bit of adjectives. You've exactly. I'm, quite I'm a trying bit not of, to get. Per- I can't use versatility again. I can't use youth, even though this group is extremely young. But I used it. For the last group, the linebackers that we broke down, All so I can't use the every same group word twice. in Miami. Yeah, every group in Miami, you can say youth essentially. So yeah, that's 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 a that's a throwaway one right there. You could use that for anyone, but but I mean, I I, I do agree mostly with what you said. I mean, there's definitely some guys on this on this squad on this defensive line who can, you can move around. So the word specialist, you can move them inside to the interior, and they can play the edge as well. You know, we talked about. Kyle Van Noy last week when we previewed the linebackers and how he was used in different spots in New England and how that will most likely transition to his time with the Dolphins. And then, yeah, you look at the size and you look at the length of some of these guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some bruisers for this defensive line. Uh, We'll talk about the rookies as well. Raekwon Davis is a guy that definitely jumps to mind. When you talk about a big body who's going to hopefully make a splash for the Dolphins this offseason because – you know, if I'm being completely honest, which I mean, we will try our best to be like that on Finna to win it. You know, this group, I'm probably maybe more concerned about even over the offensive line. And that's really saying something. And it's not because I don't think these guys have the talent. It's because I don't see a ton of solid depth in this unit. And the guys who are pegged to start in this unit, I mean, let's be honest. What have they really showed us so far? There is some potential there. Don't get me wrong with that. There's definitely potential and there is talent. But so far on paper, a lot of these guys have either underperformed from college to the NFL or they just have not really found 
ton of success in the NFL. I do like some of the prospects. I do like the possibilities of what, what they can do, but it, it's a unit that I'm, I am concerned about. Yeah. I don't know if I'd go as far as saying I'm more concerned about this group than the mm -hmm. offensive line, just because of what the offensive line protects. You know, if the defensive line um, fails, you're giving up a touchdown. If the offensive line fails, your quarterback's losing his head, <laughs> basically. So uh, that's why I think I'm a little more concerned about the O-line. But it's funny, though, when you went through these three words and you went through the word specialists, you interpreted it differently than the oh, way that did I? I did. Yeah. Okay. When I look at this group, and of course there's going to be an outlier or two, but a lot of these guys do one thing well, but that's what they specialize in. They don't really bring you, in my opinion the versatility of being able to do multiple things, whether it's stopping the run, pass rush, whatever it is. They don't do multiple things at a high level. They may stop the run extremely well, but they're a liability in terms of their pass rush. I see a lot of those kind of guys, which is why it's, I feel like it's going to be harder for Brian Flores to kind of have to piece it together. It's going to be a lot of situational circumstances based on the, you know, the down and distance when they're on the field of who's going to be the most effective in what spot. So We'll kind of go through these guys one by one, and I'll try to explain that a little bit more. But, I mean, we, we've talked about the defense and their struggles last year. I mean, the last time the Miami Dolphins, frankly, had a top-10 defense, Mason, was back in the Joe Philbin era, if you can believe that, 2014, yeah, uh, when they were the number 8th-ranked total defense in the NFL. So it's been a while since we've had that defense that we can really rely on to get a stop when you need it. So they bring in a lot of guys. We talked about their additions in the secondary, the linebackers, and they have quite a few, a lot of draft picks and a couple free agent moves. So there's a lot of new faces on this unit as well. So let's go ahead and start with this. Uh, I was reading an article a couple weeks ago in the Miami Herald, Barry Jackson, and he talked to a couple Dolphin veteran players. And when they were talking defensive line, if you're in your base 3-4, the players that Barry Jackson spoke to are anticipating, at least going into camp, that Christian Wilkins... Devon Godshaw and Shaq Lawson are your three down linemen going into the season that are looking to start. So we're going to start there and work our way down. Let's go ahead and start with Christian Wilkins. Now, obviously, first round pick in last year's draft, a lot of promise, a lot of upside, started slow out of the gate. But I think that the coaching staff was more and more pleased as the season went on with Christian Wilkins and kind of what he brought to the table. So, you know, the beginning of the season, it was a little rocky. We were a little concerned, like, uh-oh. But a lot of that has to do as well, Mason, with just the, the lack of talent and stability around him. We talked about it on the offensive line with guys like Michael Dieter. I feel like you can make that same case for Christian Wilkins. Yeah, and it's, it's not great when your most memorable moment from your rookie year is probably the night you got drafted and the little bump he did to uh, Goodell on the stage. And listen, that, no, that man, was pretty awesome. he scored awesome. that touchdown. That was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah, oh my Lord. I was just about to get to that. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was literally going to say the second thing he was probably most known for last year was catching the uh, pass as a fullback against the Bengals. But you, you got to that. So good for you on that one. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was not a great year for Christian Wilkins. But as the season went on, there were a lot of positive things to look at. Um, you know, he's quick off the snap. That's one thing I really like about Christian Wilkins, and I'm hoping he'll continue that trend and he can improve some other things. But he's very exceptionally quick off the snap, and he made strides as the season went on with hand fighting. That's a big part of the game when you're pay playing in the interior line. The oh, more yeah. tape I watched on him, the better I saw that throughout each and each and every game 29 run stops he only had four hits on the quarterback and 30 qb pressures and two sacks now he's one of the few guys on this defensive line who in college was known for his pass rushing and it hasn't translated to the nfl and we'll get to some of those other ones as we go on obviously that may not be something he will ever excel at he may have to find as you mentioned specialists he may have to just be very good at stopping the run like some other of these guys, but it would be nice to see him continue to get better as that as his career goes on. Yeah, and I think some of these other guys, Mason, are just a little more limited physically. I think that Christian Wilkins has the upside to, to develop a good pass rush at the NFL level. And I mentioned this before, if you go through some of the stats, there were things to you know be excited about going into his sophomore season here with the Miami Dolphins. I mean, he led the entire NFL in terms of rookies for defensive interior lineman tackles, 56 total tackles. Now he only got two sacks, so 
there you go back. There wasn't much of a pass rush there, but he did collect his share of tackles. And you mentioned his 30 total pressures. According to PFF, Pro Football Focus, that was third most among rookie D linemen since 2016. So he was getting some pressure. He was getting some quarterback hits. And Mason, 16 out of his 26 quarterback hurries last year occurred in weeks 12 through 17. So that goes back to the end of the year. You really saw him start to get that motor going and and create more pressure in the backfield. And I think that's eventually going to become, you know, from hurries to hits to eventually sacks. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of players on this team, and we've talked about them as we've gone through each and every one of these positional groups where the last five or six weeks of the year, I mean, a lot of these guys woke up or a lot of these guys started to get in the groove. This interior has to do better, though, especially against the run. That needs to be one of the biggest things the defense works on next year and this offseason. I believe only five teams allowed more rushing yards than Miami. Uh, Miami had about 2,160 yards rushing last season that they gave up on defense. I mean, that has to start in your interior line. Luckily, they did go out and they did sign some defensive ends, some edge rushers who we're going to get to in a little bit. Hopefully their presence there, the fact that they're going to need more attention on the outside of the ball is going to help some of that help the interior linemen for this team. Yeah, and you mentioned their struggle against the run. The one thing that they do have is Devon Godshaw, and that is something that he does really well. And he is one of these guys, you know, I mentioned earlier, a specialist. You're not going to get much in terms of the pass rush from Devon Godshaw, but this is a guy that will clog the center lanes. He will clog those holes and make it tough for teams to get any type of momentum off of the snap and he push off the line of scrimmage and he is going to make it a long day for teams trying to run the ball on the Dolphins. Man, De- Devon has a huge year coming up. We've mentioned him Massive. in a few other episode, episodes. I mean, anytime a player is in a contract season, it's big. But especially when you play a position that has been so rough for Miami lately, uh, the fact that this line only produced 23 sacks last year, only 23 sacks last season. Yeah, just got to um, be better. Got to be very, better. Very, very little pass rush. Now, you know, you go back to the word specialist. I know you were looking at it one way and I was looking at it another way. I mean, you know, Gonshaw is someone who can play inside and outside when the Dolphins are in different alignments. I'm not saying he's he's much better at pass rushing than than run stopping because that's not the case. But when I look at him, I do see a little bit more versatility, a little bit more variety in his game. Um, but with this young group, he is definitely a leader and he is a great effort player. There's a lot of things I like from him. I'm really rooting for him this year for many reasons, but one of them is the fact it is his contract year. He needs to stay out on the field. He was out on the field last year for about 64% of Miami's defensive plays. You know, pass rushing, it's it's not bad. He's made strides in that area, but his bread and butter is that initial punch he gives at the line. Yeah, physical gap control player, and you mentioned his lack of pressure. So he had just two sacks and 18 pressures in 321 pass snaps last year. That ranked him in the lower third of defensive tackles uh, by PFF. And yeah, you can move him up and down the line. You know, he's more of a typical, I think, in terms of his size, a 4-3 defensive tackle rather than a 3-4. Like 3-4, you got to be a big boy. And yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to say, you know, for a normal human being, 6'3", 315, that is huge. But for a 3-4 defensive tackle in the NFL, it's a tad undersized. But yeah, he's versatile enough to where you can move him up and down the line. So he does have that in terms of versatility. But I just mean in terms of what he brings, his skill set, he really needs to work on the pass rush, especially if he wants to get paid. Because this is a huge year. Contract year. You're a guy that comes in with a chip on your shoulder. You're a fifth rounder out of LSU. He's been a pleasant surprise for the Dolphins, but he has to prove that he can not only clog the run, but he can get some type of rush in the backfield and put some pressure on the quarterback to help out the secondary um, in passing downs. So Riley, out of these two guys here, who do you feel like is going to have a more successful season on the field, Godshaw or Wilkins? Well, I really hope it's Wilkins. I mean, he's your first round pick. From a year ago, I mean, just the upside. You mentioned him at Clemson. He was a two-time first-team All-American, two-time national champion. I mean, this guy has the pedigree that you want from a guy coming out of school into the NFL. And I think he was just its one of those things last year. He was getting his feet under him. The defensive line was awful. I mean, he had absolutely no pass rush. So how can you expect Christian Wilkins, you know, taking on double teams because they know there's no rush coming off the edge? 
how do you expect him to be effective at all? And despite that, he was able to lead the league in terms of rookie interior defensive linemen and tackles. So there were a lot of positives you could take, but it was just the inconsistency with Christian Wilkins. I mean, he had six games where he had a PFF rating of 69 or higher, top 40 average in terms of D tackle, but then he had six games where he was a 53 or lower, which is the lower half of the league. So it was a very up and down year for Christian Wilkins, but in terms of the upside, I don't think it's really even close. I would choose Christian Wilkins. Another thing I'm going to be looking for next year is who catches more passes on offense. Is it going to be Christian? Is it going to be Christian Wilkins or Landon Roberts? Who's who's going to catch more oh, passes? Oh, that's that's a good that's a good bet we could make because I don't know, man. That's a good one. I mean, I Landon definitely Roberts like the Christian Wilkins a, celebration better. <laughs> I, I agree, but especially last season because Landon Roberts scored on us. But yeah, I mean, Landon Roberts a little bit more of a little bit more in the speed department, you know, a little bit more agility than Christian Wilkins. But oh yeah, a goal for a goal line situation there. I I get excited seeing Christian Wilkins back there. I mean, not only blocking, but the the fact that he can catch the ball too. So that'll be something to watch out for. Just if a you had to make a bet there. on who you think is going to repeat that, like who's going to be the first one to get that touchdown on the offensive side of the ball so it could be Wilkins or Roberts I'd say Wilkins just for the sheer fact that Miami has a lot more talent for running back now they're not having to to plug and play as many guys and, and not to say Landon Roberts isn't talented in a fullback role but I, I I just don't see many opportunities for Landon Roberts to get catches on a 35 30 yard line where with the Dolphins are at the one yard line okay put Christian Wilkins in there let's see what he can do we're gonna make that a poll question I'm interested like to see that. what Dolphins fans think about. That's a good poll question, Mason. So good All good right. work there, sir. Let's go ahead and move on to Shaq Lawson. So he's probably our biggest signing in terms of a free agent on the defensive line going into this year. He was a former first-round pick from the Buffalo Bills. He also played at Clemson. He played with Christian Wilkins one year before he was drafted. And quite honestly, it just didn't work out in Buffalo. He had less and less playing time. He didn't even start a single game last year. He played in under 50% of the snaps, but when he was on the field, he was pretty effective. He had his career high in sacks with six and a half. So it's going to, this is one of those guys that I just, Mason, I don't know what to expect from him because obviously at Clemson, he was a beast and he was a very solid. And you talked about this earlier. He was a good pass rusher. We have not seen that materialize here at the NFL level. He's been more of a run stopping uh, defensive end. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned that near the beginning of this episode, how there's several guys on this line who their pass rushing skills in college have not translated well to the NFL. Christian Wilkins is one of them. And Shaq Lawson, as you just mentioned, is another one. Have a quick quote I want to read. This is from Shaq Lawson. Shaq Lawson said this a little bit ago. He said, I feel like these next coming years, I've got a lot of juice. I've got a lot to bring to the table. And I've showed glimpses of it last year with only just playing on the amount of snaps I was playing. I'm just ready to go get it and just try to be a double-digit sack guy. That's the right mindset right there. The fact that he's admitting, listen, I've showed glimpses of it. I haven't been an extraordinary defensive end or edge player, but there's a reason for it. I haven't been out on the field as much as I should be possibly. And you look at it last season. He played 47% of the Bills' defensive snaps. Wow, that's that's pretty low. For that's a first-round pick, low. yeah. For a, for a guy the Dolphins just signed for a three-year contract worth $30 million with $21 million pretty much virtually guaranteed. I mean, that's not a lot of time there. But obviously, Flores, they've seen something in him to show that he can disrupt the offensive line. He can create a pass rush, and he can help those interior guys on our defensive line. 2019, he played in 15 games. How many of them did he start, Riley? Zero. Zero. He did not start any. He was a backup. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's not good enough to start. It just means the Bills did not want him in that role. They wanted him more of a, as a rotational edge player for that. Uh, he did lead the way, though, with 18 quarterback hits for Buffalo, which is very solid there. Yep. Lawson was pro football focus's 50-ranked edge player last year. Not two great. years ago, but not great. But two years ago, he was 19th. So that does show you he can get in the top 20 as far as edge rushers go. If I'm once again being honest, I'm not overly excited for this signing, but I do like the possibility of him helping out different parts of the defense with him being out there. I do think him and Agba, there, there's going to be a little bit of a, um, there's going to be competition. Possi- 
be some competition there. Yeah, I could I could see that. I don't think it's clear cut that Lawson's going to be on the field more than Agba. I think Agba definitely has something to say about that. Yeah, and the one thing that I do like about Shaq Lawson in Buffalo, he played a lot more with his hand in the dirt in a four three, but he can be a stand up edge rusher in a three four sure. as well. So no matter what set Miami is coming out in, he's a guy that you can keep on the field. A lot of these guys that I've I've mentioned so far and that we're going to mention later are guys where I feel like they're very specialized, going back to that word, where they can be on the field in certain situations and you got to take them off for others. Shaq Lawson's a guy where I feel comfortable. You know, he could play in that 4-3, hand in the dirt. He can also play in the 3-4. He can drop back into coverage if need be. Now, he hasn't done that as much in the NFL. He used to do it a lot more during his days in Clemson, but it is something that he has done in the past. He has the skill set. But where he's excelled has not been the pass rush, but we need that to be. We need him to step up because we were dead last in the league in the pass rush last year. But he has been effective stopping the run. He was one of four edge defenders to force a run stuff on over 5% of run defensive snaps. And he generated pressure on over 10% of his pass rush snaps last season. And that's with a minimum of 100 snaps. So he does have the skill set to stop the run. He does have the skill set, at least we've seen it in the past, to create a pass rush. We just haven't seen it on a consistent basis in the NFL. And to his credit, I mean, only playing 47% of the Bills' defensive snaps last year, he did have six and a half sacks, a career high. And, you know, six and a half sacks should sound and look mighty tempting for the Miami Dolphins because last season they only had one player with more than three and a half sacks, and he's not even with the team anymore. That's Taco Charlton. So six and a half sacks for the Dolphins would would have been fantastic last season. And honestly, this season, that's not a bad number either. So he wasn't out on the field all that much last year, but he did take advantage of it. I like the quote I read, the fact that he knows he has a lot of juice left. He has something to prove this year. I mean, he just got paid. And sometimes when certain players get paid, their level of play drops. I don't think I'm getting that with this guy. Let's go ahead and talk about another guy that they brought in and paid. Not quite as much, but he still got paid in Emmanuel Agba, adding some depth to this defensive line. He's a former second-round pick by the Chiefs in 2016. He's an athletic freak. This guy kind of fits that length, power that you talk about, a Brian Flores type of player on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he signs a two-year, $15 million contract. He was the 39th-ranked pass rusher by PFF in 2019, so he does add a little bit of depth to this defensive line that we've mentioned over and over. was just abysmal last year rushing the passer, so it's going to be an interesting competition between Agba and Shaq Lawson going into camp. Who's going to be that starter if they go out in the 3-4? Yeah, Agba got that Super Bowl ring last year with the Chiefs. Unfortunately, he wasn't on the field for it. He missed the last six games of the regular season with a torn pectoral injury. But, you know, last year his PFF grade was easily a career high. It was 70.1. So that shows he definitely had a solid year when he was on the field. Two years, $15 million. You know what, Riley? I think that's a very solid contract yeah. that the Dolphins signed him to. I think that when you see those numbers there, I'm like, okay, I, I I like that a lot because he is someone who you said he's very athletic. He's a very solid pass rusher. He's a consistent threat as a pass rusher when he came in the league in 2016. He has 18 sacks in over 50 career games, so he does tend to get to the quarterback quite a bit. And as I mentioned last year, his grade – for being a rusher was the highest it's been in his career. He was 39th ranked Ed Rusher last season. So not fantastic, but decent enough. Him and Lawson, it's going to be an interesting camp battle. When we get into camp battles later on this summer, uh, that those are going to be two names worth looking out for. They're two new guys to this defense, and it's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully they can just keep challenging each other and keep upping the ante. Yeah, it's a good sign when, yeah, you missed the last six games, so you only play in 10 games. You have a career low, 251 pass rush reps, but you come out of the season with a career high in sacks in five and a half. That's something that you like to see. That's called trending up. Obviously, you'd like to see him on the field for an entire season, but when he was in, the production was starting to increase. And one cool stat that I like, and I don't think it's talked about enough with defensive linemen, batted balls at the line of scrimmage. He has 19 of them. 19 through his career. I mentioned the length that this guy brings to the field. So even if he's not getting to the quarterback, he's getting his hands up and causing chaos in those passing lanes. So that's a stat that I don't think should be looked over at all. 
So like I said, this is going to be, to me, on the defensive line, the battle to watch going into camp. Ogba, Shaq Lawson, who's going to come out on top there? Um, both bring, uh, bring some upside, but both have been inconsistent through their NFL careers. But honestly, from what we got last year, both are major upgrades at that position. So we're going to move on to some other players. But first, let's get in a quick read from our sponsor of today's show, Bet Online. Look, everyone, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Mason, why don't you tell them more? So, yeah, Riley, as we know, sports, they're slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all of the UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they still have those simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. If you're looking for something else other than sports, Bet Online has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. So, what are you guys waiting for? Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. So, Mason, we talked about this next player a ton in our linebacker breakdown. And we're going to mention him here again tonight because he's one of those guys that brings the versatility to the defense. What we were missing last year for Brian Flores and his defense, and that's Kyle Van Noy. Now, last year with the Patriots, he was used primarily as an edge rusher. The Patriots used him on the line of scrimmage. 776 out of his 890 snaps were at the line of scrimmage last year, rushing the passer. So in 2018, he was used a little more of a hybrid, pass rushing off the edge, but also dropping back into coverage, playing more of that typical linebacker position when Brian Flores was actually there. So I think we're going to kind of see a combination of what we saw in 2019 and then what we saw in 2018 from Kyle Van Noy. Yeah, I agree, Riley. We're going to see that combination that we that fans saw in 2018 when Brian Flores was with the New England Patriots. We're going to see him at the line of scrimmage or in the linebacking position. And listen, as a veteran presence on this young defense that gave up so many passing yards, a lot of rushing yards, did not get to the quarterback, he is really going to be seen as a leader. He was the 16th best edge defender last season by pro football focus that shows you right there. That's a lot better than what the dolphins have had, especially last season. It's going to be insurmountable. I'm not going to give anything away or tip my hat to anything, but I kind of am, you know, when we record Thursday's show and we talk about the top five free agent signings, the dolphins have done. I mean, you better believe Kyle Van Noy is going to be near the top of that list. He is going to have to be that, Zach Thomas role type of leader, that Jason yeah. Taylor type of leader that the Dolphins have had in the past. And I know those are huge shoes to fill, but that is what this defense needs. This young defense needs somebody, especially that defensive line and linebacking group. They need somebody who's going to light a fire under them. They need someone who's going to be a leader inside that locker room. And they need someone who's going to disrupt the quarterback, who's going to be able to drop back in coverage. And Kyle Van Noy is hopefully going to check all those boxes. While the numbers don't blow off the page at you, it's nice that we're mentioning the last three players we've talked about are coming off years where they have a career high in sacks. So Van Noy last year, six and a half sacks. We talked about Ogba and Lawson both having career highs in snaps. So guys trending up in terms of getting a rush on the passer. And then the year before, I mentioned he was used more as a linebacker role. 92 combined tackles for the Patriots in 2018. So... Kyle Van Noy is one of those guys on this defensive line slash linebacking unit that can bring the versatility that Brian Flores really looks for and was seeking to find last year. And I think he finally got his guy in Kyle Van Noy. Let's run through some of these other guys uh, returning onto the depth chart. Um, Zach Sealer, a seventh round draft pick. He barely played last year, but damn, Mason, his tape was impressive. <laughs> this dude is a hoss. He created some chaos in the middle of that in the middle of that line last year when he got the opportunity. Yeah, and, and when you say he barely played, I mean you're not joking. 78 total snaps last year. He had 22 snaps in the Cincinnati game, so that was really the game to look for to see how he did. But overall, yeah, I mean he's he's got the goods to play multiple positions, and you know he excelled when he had the opportunities. He had eight tackles, a sack, four QB pressures, six run stops. I mean for a whole entire season, those numbers don't look good, but 
But for being out there for 7% of the Dolphins' entire defensive plays for the season, 78 snaps, I think that's very solid. Yeah, it, obviously it's a small sample size. But for a seventh-round draft pick out of Ferris State, what, what more can you ask for? He did the most with the playing time that he got. He really broke out in that Cincinnati game, that ridiculous Cincinnati game from last yeah. year. He had seven tackles and a sack. His overall PFF rating was a 76.2. That's 22 out of 199. Now, obviously, like I mentioned, really small, small sample, sample size. size. Yeah. But from what he showed, he's going to have to be in the back of everyone's mind going into camp. If he has a good training camp and preseason, it's going to be hard to keep this guy off the field if he keeps putting up tape like we saw at the end of last year. We desperately need Zach Zeeler and some of these other guys who we're going to talk about to step up this season. I mean, I mentioned it at the beginning of this show. I know you alluded to it as well. We're not quite as high on this unit as some of the other units that the Dolphins have for positional groups. I mean, this is a unit that you need to have solid depth behind. Some of these guys who were here last year, they haven't quite shown up yet to the party. They have the potential, but once again, they haven't shown it consistently on the field. You need guys like Zach Zeeler who are going to continue to improve. You need these rookies who they drafted to come out there and show that they can be mature on the field because this group, you know, it doesn't have a lot of known solid depth behind the starters. Avery Moss is another guy, fifth rounder out of Youngstown State. He was drafted by the Giants, uh, picked up by Miami off waivers in 2019. He was hampered with injuries for most of last season. He only accrued 25 tackles, a forced fumble in 11 games, including eight starts. He's one of those guys that are kind of more of a specialist role. Uh, PFF rated him among the worst pass rushers in the entire league <laughs> last year. So something he's probably going to want to work on heading into 2020. But in terms of stopping the run, he was pretty effective. Uh, so he's another guy that hopefully can step up and add some depth and can stay on the field healthy. Because if he can't, with all these new faces that we're about to talk about bringing in through the draft, Avery Moss is a guy that's going to be on the chopping block uh, for the Dolphins. Yeah, solid tackler. He had eight games with a 69 or higher grade for tackling from PFF. So that's not bad right there. But as you mentioned, the pass rush is was really rough last season. And that's something he's going to have to get better at if he's going to get on the field. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to the Dolphins draft picks. There's quite a few of them here on the defensive line, and this is a polarizing guy. Raquan Davis, defensive tackle out of Alabama. This guy is a monster. 6'7", 330 pounds. He is that guy. When Remember I was talking earlier with Godshaw. Might be a little undersized for the 3'4". Raquan Davis is not that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the athleticism, no, though, is what really is like, wow, at that size and how athletic this guy is and how physical he is. There's no wonder that Brian Flores was geeking out when they drafted this guy on draft night. Do you remember that, Mason? Oh, yeah. I mean, as as many guys as the Dolphins drafted, so many draft picks as they had. I mean, the Raekwon Davis pick, he was as excited for that pick as any other pick that you saw. It sure and seemed that you, way. Yeah, and as you mentioned, his measurables, I mean, they they jump out at you. You know, 6'7", 330. He's got the size to really fill in that middle for the Dolphins when they run a 3-4 defense. Obviously, the other side of the coin is going to be consistency. What yep. Raekwon Davis are we going to see? Because from 2017 to 2019, man, he, it, it kind of went downhill as far as stats go. Now, stats don't tell everything, but I'm still going to read them off. 2017 to 2019, Tackles went from 69, 55 to 47. Tackles for a loss, 10 and a half, five and a half to three. Sacks, eight and a half, one and a half to just a half a sack as last season. So the productivity, it really plummeted at his time in Alabama. Now he came out and he acknowledged that, which I mean, I think that's great that he did that. He understood that. He explained how he was being double teamed more. The offenses were paying more attention to him. I mean, that's a sign of a great player. So I think there does need to be some consideration when it comes to that, that, yeah, I mean, his stats did drop a lot, but I think there's some reasoning for that. But the consistency, the professionalism, the maturity, we need to see that on the first day of camp because he has the size, you know, he has the motor. He showed it at Alabama in 2017 and some in 2018. But last season, the reason he fell to the Dolphins, because originally this was a guy who was, you know, said to going, he would might go in the late first round before oh, his yeah. senior year. And he dropped that far to the Dolphins. You know, the Dolphins got him 
in the second round of the 56th pick. So this could be a diamond in the rough for Miami. This could be a guy who they draft who really turns out to fit their defensive mold very nicely, but he's got to show a lot this offseason. I think that's why Brian Flores was freaking out about the pick, quite frankly, because <laughs> he's bringing in a guy that fits the exact mold of what he's looking for. Big, strong, long arms. He can really cause problems filling the gaps on the defense uh, in that one or two technique, you know, clogging the middle of the field and just making it hard for teams to run on him because that was not the case last year. So they needed some depth there. But yeah, you talked about it. The decrease in productivity. I mean, if this guy would have come out in 2017, he's a surefire first round pick. First team all SEC, eight and a half sacks, 10 tackles. I mean, that's impressive stuff. 0.5 sacks, 2019 on that Alabama defensive line. It's something to be worried about. And that's why I mentioned earlier, he's so polarizing because I feel like people are either super excited about Raekwon Davis or very pessimistic about what he's going to bring to the table considering how his productivity has decreased so significantly over the last three years in college. So Riley, I'll tell you what though, another guy that the Dolphins drafted who the more I watch tape on him, the more I read articles, the more I look at different things that he's done leading up to the draft, the more excited I get. Jason Strobridge, a guy who only 275 pounds, but he's got the length. You used that word at the beginning of the show, length. That's one of your three words. 6'4", he's got the length. He's got the ability to play multiple positions, and he only missed two games in his final three seasons at Chapel Hill, so he has that durability. Is he a defensive end or is he a tackle? The good news is a lot of his coaches, a lot of the Dolphins coaches have come out and said they can see him possibly playing both. He can be that versatile guy on the defensive line. He can stand up. They can drop him back some. So two seasons in college, the last two seasons, he had 43 tackles. That held a run to two yards or fewer, which is fantastic. So that's something the Dolphins can really use to their advantage as they're starting to break this guy down. When the Dolphins talk to him via Zoom with everything going on, they mm -hmm. really like what they saw when they talked to him, and obviously they liked it enough to draft him. Yeah, you mentioned kind of how they moved him all over the place at North Carolina. In 2019, he played 283 snaps over the B-gap, so right in the middle of that interior line. A little undersized for that at the NFL level. I'm not sure you're going to see him there very much. 111 outside of tackle, rushing off the edge. And he even played 23 in the A-gap, according to Pro Football Focus. And Mason, he even dropped into coverage. I think you mentioned that, but he dropped into coverage eight times as a stand-up linebacker. So, yeah, he brings a little bit of versatility. He may lack some explosiveness. Now, when I look at this group, that's what's concerning to me. So, a lot of strength. A lot of power, a lot of length, but just not a lot in terms of the pass rush. A lot of guys that have a lot to prove, and that's the one thing the Dolphins needed to improve on vastly. So they upgraded that in terms of Ogba, Lawson, you know, those guys, and they didn't even have eye-popping numbers in terms of their sack totals, but then you bring in these guys, Raekwon Davis, Strobridge, just weren't, I mean, Raekwon Davis maybe his sophomore year, but since then, both these guys just aren't guys that are going to get to the quarterback. I mean, Strobich last year only had two and a half sacks. His career high at North Carolina was five in a season. So in terms of explosiveness, getting into the backfield and putting pressure on the quarterback, that's kind of one thing that I'm a little concerned about from this young group that the Dolphins are bringing in. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Strobich, he's going to be a rotational guy to start off. He's not going to get on the field a ton, but... You know, you look at his NFL combine numbers, Riley, and, you know, they do jump out at you. He was in the top 10% among defensive linemen in the 40-yard dash, ran a 4.89, the 20-yard shuffle, and the broad jump. So I know you mentioned didn't get to the quarterback a lot in college, but he did put up some solid numbers in the NFL combine to show he does have the speed, he does have that quickness to possibly turn that in. I was reading an article, I forget who wrote it, he did not give credit to this, but a uh, player they compared Strobridge to would be a Richard Seymour, former New England Patriot. Hmm. I know Flores wasn't the defensive coordinator when Seymour was there, but he was still on the st staff. And when you look at Richard Seymour, you see someone who, you know, wasn't a huge guy, but he was a lengthy guy and he became very fast to the quarterback. And Seymour was also drafted pretty late. I believe he went to Georgia. I think he was a fourth or fifth round pick. So, hey, listen. If Jason Strobridge can turn into half of what Richard Seymour did in the NFL, that would be a huge successful pick. All right, Mason. So we mentioned this guy as well in our linebacker breakdown, but he's technically listed 
as a defensive end on the depth chart. So all these guys that aren't bringing sacks with him from college, Curtis Weaver has plenty to go around. <laughs> this guy, all he did was sack people <laughs> when he was at Boise State. 6'3", 265. He's kind of got that tweener build. Might be the reason why he fell so far in the draft. I mean, we got him in the fifth round. And PFF Mason had Weaver as their 26th ranked overall prospect heading into the draft. He, he, you know, going back to the sacks that he had, he's kind of like the guy at the poker table with all the chips. And it's kind of like, hey, listen, I need to buy into this hand. You know, this is a big hand. Can I borrow some from you? But yeah, I mean, you know, Curtis, Curtis Weaver is definitely exciting for what he did in college and the amount of sacks he had in the Mountain West. I mean, that, that is something to definitely look forward to as a Miami Dolphins fan to see him as someone who can continue that trend in the NFL. He's going to have the opportunity to do that. He's going to be someone who the Dolphins can move around kind of like a Kyle Van Noy. Um, hopefully he can learn some things from Kyle Van Noy. Kyle Van Noy can be that veteran presence for the Dolphins, and he can teach Weaver a thing or two about being the versatile player, switching spots on the field, and being productive. Yeah, it's a great comparison to him and Van Noy. So I think you're going to see Van Noy getting a ton of snaps, but if Curtis Weaver can kind of learn under the wing of Van Noy, you could see him kind of making more of an impact. He's a guy that I'm super high on. He's a versatile player. He's a guy with great instincts, much like Van Noy. Uh, he's a project at a base 4-3 DN. You could also use him at outside linebacker, though, in the 3-4. He did that a lot at Boise State. So he's a guy, we broke him down a lot in the linebacker segment, so don't want to go through too much of the same stats here. But, I mean, you got to mention Mountain West all-time sack leader when you talk about Curtis Weaver. That's the kind of production this guy brings to the table. So let's go ahead and wrap it up. With Benito Jones, this is a guy, Mason, that people have been talking about. He slipped in the draft, went undrafted, but we talk about disruptors, power, clogging the holes up the middle. That's what Benito Jones did as an undrafted rookie out of Ole Miss. He was a five-star prospect going into Ole Miss out of high school. He played in 48 games. He started 36 of them. In four years, he amassed 132 tackles. He was a freshman All-American 2019, this guy was second-team All-ACC. He had 10 tackles for loss, five-and-a-half sacks. He brings a lot of upside in terms of his production in college, while you have guys like Raekwon Davis, quite frankly, that you know decreased in their production throughout their career. Benito Jones is someone that excelled through his career and produced more and more as his college career went on. So he's a guy that he's under the radar. You always root for. You always love these undrafted rookies trying to make the team. Now, he brings absolutely nothing in terms of the pass rush. Uh, I know he had some a lot of tackles for loss, but that was basically him just bulldozing people. There was no speed involved in that, and that's why uh, I believe that he went undrafted. So, you know, he's a very situational type of defensive tackle, but if you have like that third and one, fourth and one, Benito Jones is the kind of guy that you want on your field to just disrupt and destroy the person in front of him. <laughs> And, you know, Riley, I think it's a good representation just to show how hard it is sometimes to get drafted in the NFL, especially a yeah. position where there's so many defensive tackles and defensive linemen from so many colleges out there. I mean, as you mentioned, to be an All-American his freshman year, I mean, that is setting the tone for your college career. Not, you know, Raekwon Davis, we went over the stats. We went over what happened. All different players have different stories to maybe what happened from freshman year to junior, or freshman to senior year, why they didn't get drafted. But it just goes to show you, it is tough sometimes to make it in the NFL. The fact the Dolphins got him undrafted, it could be another steal for Miami. I mean, he's someone who's going to, once again, he's going to have to prove it. You mentioned he's going to be a situational player, a rotation player. He's going to only be put in at certain times. But listen, if you can make the best of those situations, you're going to find yourself on an NFL team. He's definitely a guy. I'm not sure you're going to see him making the active roster with so many new additions to the defensive line. But, you know, with the expanded practice squads uh, from the new collective bargaining agreement, he's someone I could definitely see uh, the Dolphins hanging on to on the practice squad and bringing up you know, whether it's injury or, you know, he he's proving himself in practice. He's a guy that I feel like you should keep around because he's he's got some upside to him. He may be he may be a situational type of player, but he might excel at what those situations are. So an interesting name, Benito Jones, and he's got a lot of Dolphins fans excited uh, going into 2020. Yeah. They need to keep as many guys around as they can to add depth to this <laughs> squad. And, you know, listen, no, just to true. wrap up 
Just to wrap up Benito Jones, when he played at Ole Miss's senior year, they ran a similar defense that the Dolphins run in the uh, 3-4 base. So he's got some familiarity with that. That's going to definitely help him. He's going to be able to bring something to the table there. And as we get closer to training camp, you know, we figure out how the Dolphins are even going to have training camp with everything going on. It's, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on him. There's a few poll questions that I think are formulating from this segment. So we talked about one earlier. I want to know, I think I'm going to put it out to Dolphins fans this week, you know, which of these free agent signings between Lawson and Ogba are you most excited about? Which of these draft picks are you most excited about? Because like I mentioned, yeah, Raekwon Davis is the second round pick, but a lot of people like myself are very high on Curtis Weaver. Sure. And I know you like Strobridge. So they've brought in a lot of new faces to try to add some much needed depth to this team. Uh, so this is going to be an interesting group to keep your eye on uh, heading into training camp for the Miami Dolphins. But that's going to wrap it up, Mason. We made it to the finish line of our position groups breakdown. And I think to kind of put a bow on this whole thing, next week we are going to do a segment where we literally rank all of the position groups, in our opinion, heading in to the 2020 season. We're going to go through all of them. Which one do we think is the weakest that needs the most improvement? Which one do we think is a strength for the Dolphins? So we're going to do that next week to kind of put a bow on the position group breakdown for the Dolphins. And, and Riley, it is going to be tough for us to agree on some of these because we're going to probably try to come up with one consensus list from Finna to win it. So it'll be interesting. I'm sure Riley and I will be vocal about, well, you know, Mason <laughs> said it should be the second strongest. I thought it should be the fourth or fifth. So we'll definitely get that out there. But as a team, Riley and I are definitely going to try to combine our efforts to come up with one list. So that's going to do it for this episode of Finna to win it. Thanks for listening to our breakdown of the defensive line. If you haven't yet, check us out on social media at Finit to Win It, where we just kicked off our trivia giveaway. So I want you to get involved in those posts uh, so you could potentially win a $100 gift card to NFL Shop and appear live on the show on a Fins Up Friday here at Finit to Win It. So make sure you do that. Subscribe, rate, review on all your major podcast platforms. A busy week ahead for Finit to Win It here. So Stay with us on all major podcast platforms for all of our future episodes. But until then, for Mason, I'm Riley. Have a great rest of your day, everybody, and fins up.